This is the Power of Genetics podcast, the podcast designed to help visionary practitioners build a more successful practice, transform more lives, and lead their patients into the future of personalized health. In each episode, I'll interview successful practitioners and leading thought leaders who will share their insights and expertise to help you prepare your practice for what lies ahead. I'm your host, Dr. Yael Jaffe, and now let's get into today's episode. So welcome to The Power of Genetics. My special guest today is Dr. John Dempster from Toronto, Canada, which is a lovely change. We love Canadians, so we're very happy to cross over the border, especially when I'm sitting in Cape Town, South Africa, speaking to you. So um, that's a change. Welcome, John. Well, thank you for having me on. I'm very excited to be here. And yes, it is quite a hop over the border to come to Canada. So hopefully uh, hopefully we can exchange visits one day. Yeah, absolutely. So at the moment, I'd say we're about as far from each other as we can be in Seattle. I mean, from Toronto to Cape Town, and I'll be moving to Seattle in the next couple of months. So at least then we're at least in the same hemisphere, potentially Perfect. meeting up at a conference one day. So as I mentioned to you before, we have never met, and I have not had that privilege. So what I'd really love to start with is rather than me reading out your bio or sending them a website link, what I'm really, really interested to find is how do you introduce yourself? Tell us about who you are and what you're doing now. And then what we really, really want to do is we want to go back because what I always find interesting is we're going to try and find what are those pivotal moments, those tipping points. But maybe let's just start with who Dr. John Dempster is right now. Great question. This is my silly little elevator pitch, if you will. I call myself a health detective. And uh, really, you know, we, we laugh, but at the end of the day, any functional medicine practitioner or doctor out there right now, that's really what we're doing is we're looking for clues. And so I tell patients, look, I say, or potential patients, if I'm meeting with somebody for the first time, I say, look, we just help our patients try to get to their best level of health by customizing a treatment plan to them. And, uh, and if, if they peak an interest, I go on and I get a little bit deeper. And I say, well, yes, but we actually really like to embrace the power of nature and using natural remedies as a soul, as a real key starting point. And occasionally, you know, there's need for other things along the way. But uh, we really want to encourage the healing environment and the optimization of oneself. And the way we can do that best is by getting roadmaps. And roadmaps to me are really now into the essence of the science of, okay, we are going to start to do some testing and we're going to start to evaluate your unique biochemical and genetic individuality. And we're really going to start to put this all together so that we can create a plan that is tailored to you. And so, you know, we're in a really wonderful age right now where there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of podcasts, there's a lot of books and uh, blogs and so forth. But at the end of the day, they're not always specifying that individual's needs. They're going to give us a lot of general uh, support, which can be incredibly helpful. You know, I create programs. I'm sure, you, you know, you've done some work in that space as well. They're still very valuable. But sometimes we have people that just don't quite get to where they need to go. And that's when we need to say, look, you know, this is where we need to figure out a few things with you. We need to look for the blind spots. We need to understand what can't be seen on the surface so that we can help you get uncover these golden nuggets that are really stopping you from achieving your best level of health, whether that's somebody who has advanced autoimmune disease or cancer or diabetes or somebody who just wants to have more energy and just get out of bed with a, you know, with a good spark to get their day going. We meet patients where they're at. And, uh, and that's 
It's a very long-winded elevator pitch, but that's uh, that's what we do. <laughs> well, we we have the time. We have the time. And it's funny you talk about like health detectives. So I used to have this slide when I used to present on nutrigenomics, trying to explain to people like why genetics. And I used to have a slide of this game called Cluedo. Now, I don't know if, if that was something I grew up with or whether it's a global phenomenon. It's a board game and someone died and then you get a whole lot of clues and then you have to find out who, who the murderer was, that kind of, that game. And I always say like genetics is a little bit like that. It's connecting clues. That's really what it is. And I guess beyond genetics, that's exactly what we're doing. Genetics is one of those clues. And then there's all these other amazing things, there's other data that we can find out about our patients. So I think I, I, I kind of on board with your analogy, but let's go back. So that's where you are now. And the one thing I know for sure is that when you came out of medical school, you were not this Dr. Dempster, right? You didn't have, and I, and I know that you, from, from what I understand, done a lot of work in anti-aging medicine, integrative, functional. You've been really working hard to bring together all these great kind of and some new disciplines, but layers of understanding and knowledge that you've been working really hard on since you graduated. So tell us where it began for you, because a lot of doctors will go to medical school or naturopathic school, if I'm right, That's and right. kind of come out and say, well, that was enough. I'm done. I'm just going to go and open a practice in the corner and just keep going. Well, my, my journey really began actually when I was a teenager. My uh, parents sadly lost, each lost a brother within one year of each other due to chronic illness. And I was 13. I'm the oldest of four kids. And we were living a very normal, typical life leading up to that point. And, and my parents kind of said, whoa, they took a step back and said, what happened? How did these diseases happen for our brothers? And, you know, is there anything that we can do to obviously reduce our risk of that and reduce our family's risk? And so we were suddenly that family in a very small town back in the 80s that were drinking carrot juice before dinner and having a shot of cod liver oil before breakfast. And I remember thinking, this is garbage like what are we doing here this is you know typical teenager right yeah i want pizza <laughs> but then i just started kind of watching and you know my parents were doing great health-wise and uh you know we very touch wood you know we we're very rarely unwell as a household and we were all thriving in sports and athletics and academics and everything and, and so you know subtly i think that started to resonate with me and ultimately i was drawn to the power of nutrition biochemical nutrition clinical nutrition and when i went into my biological sciences degree thinking and i always wanted to be a doctor but i didn't know anything different i just thought about being a medical doctor and when I went into my undergrad degree, I became more and more aware of the power of clinical nutrition. And long story short, I decided at the 11th hour to actually go into naturopathic medicine. Because the irony is, is I, was, I kept asking all the medical schools, I said, well, tell me about your clinical nutrition you know, curriculum. Pardon? Uh, what, 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 what curriculum? What curriculum? Oh, you mean nutrition? Yes. No, you get three hours. I'm like, oh, great. So yeah. what, three hours a week, three hours? Well, how does that work? No, you get three hours. And I know that's changed. I'm being, you know, a little bit silly. Yeah, right I think it's like three weeks now. I think yeah. it's three weeks. Yeah, and, it's, and that's a huge improvement. And, you know, yeah. and I don't do this to be disrespectful to any medical docs at all. I work very closely with them and we, we have a great relationship. But that's where my decision-making was at the time. And I said, I need to really follow this part because this part is what's fascinating to me. And so I ultimately became a naturopathic doctor. But, you know, to your point, my actual... I think career or naturopathic skills didn't even begin after I graduated school. It began once I, you know, get thrown into opening private practice, but then I realized I need to really help my patients customize this as much as possible. And I was, you know, again, I had a lot of tools coming out of naturopathic school, which is, which is awesome. 
which is phenomenal. But I wasn't fully an expert on lab diagnostics as much as I wanted to be. And that's why I pursued a fellowship in functional medicine. And, and I really found, and I was working together a lot with medical doctors and other naturopathic doctors and chiropractors who all had that same interest and passion was to how do we customize this the best way we can to each person that walks through our door. And to me, that's when the lights just kind of even went on brighter. And, you know, it was, it's just been a crescendo. And that's really what I've niched down on in my, my clinic here in Toronto is it's called the Dempster Clinic Center for Functional Medicine. And I embrace everything naturopathic medicine to that uh, clinic. And functional medicine is a natural extension of naturopathic medicine, but it still can embrace all types of medicine. It's just more of that tailored, personalized uh, approach. So that's my journey. And, uh, you know, and I, one thing I left out was my grandfather at the age of 60 was told, and this is right when I was thinking about clinical nutrition, right after I lost my uncle, my grandfather was diagnosed with uh, severe arthritis and his doctors said, look, we're going to replace both your hips and, you know, and everything will be fine. He's a very stoic, uh, you know, European engineer and was like, that doesn't sound right to me. So pre-internet, he hit the library and he cured his arthritis with changing his diet and taking fish oil. <laughs> wow. Now, it's not that easy. It's not that easy for no, everyone. It's not. No. He ended up becoming a case study for his surgeons and he did the rounds with the, the all the different uh, residents and so forth. And, you know, good for them. They brought him in saying this is, you know, an alternative and this worked for this gentleman. But that was also another aha moment that really showed me the conviction that where I was going is where I wanted to be. I mean, it's a great story because you made so many good decisions. So often I speak to people who, and even for myself, we like, we took a lot of wrong turns along the way, hit a lot of kind of brick walls, but it sounds like you actually, you, you, I mean, when you made the decision to go India, not go medicine, you knew the value of nutritional biochemistry. You understood it already. And so you could spend your career kind of really just layering and layering, which it sounds to me like you've done, you know, functional medicine, integrative because as you said, functional is, is so valuable and that's my world, but it's a layer and it's, it's not the same layer as integrative and it's not the same layer of anti-aging. And every time we engage with a different community, we're kind of deepening our ability to really customize and kind of find a solution. I mean, would you agree with that? I mean, why did you carry on after yeah, functional medicine? It's, you're right. It's, and to me, I think I constantly like to grow just personally and professionally, and that's uh, that's just me. And so I was looking to say, okay, what's got the best board certification out there for functional, regenerative, and anti-aging medicine? I actually did a triple fellowship on all three of those, but those were the layers that just to me is, is was a natural progression of, on my interest level. And you know, my interest in anti-aging medicine was not so much like the skin deep approach of you know the, the fillers and the Botox and so forth that some people might think of. My vision of anti-aging is optimal aging, which means let's slow down the degenerative processes because ultimately if we live longer, we age better. And uh, we want to make sure that we're looking at all those biochemical uh, situations that we have, have some control over. So that's that was a layer that was built on, you know, on top of my naturopathic schooling and everything else that we've talked about. And from what I understand the clinic, I mean, you, you have a very integrative clinic from what I understand in who you work with. Tell us a little bit about the choices you made around who you've surrounded yourself by. I do believe in the power of integration. And this is a big philosophy of my clinic. And I, you know, I think, and you know, this might just be me, but I really think that there's multiple layers of medicine out there that can all be helpful for people. I know some of us really get 
focused on one area and think that that's the only thing. I really truly think we all need to link arms. And this is what I love about functional medicine as I think it's the language. It's almost like this universal glue that is starting to bridge some of these conversations between allopathic Western dogs, between you know surgeons, between naturopathic dogs, nutritionists, chiropractors, put any part of the healthcare realm in there, you know, psychiatry, massage therapy, we've all got a space. And so if we can start to integrate that and really for, again, a patient-centered approach, this is sort of my theme today is we've got to always provide what's the most important thing for that person. And so, yes, we have an integrated uh, approach at the clinic. I do not have everybody on site at once. We, we have very, that would be a, yeah. would be a dream, but it's, it's uh, yeah. very uh, tough to, I think, logically have that. So we, we have people that we refer to in the space of, of all these different uh, therapists and doctors. So um, luckily we're, you know, starting to have some great conversations with uh, certain areas of medicine that might not have been so open before. And when I did my fellowship, there was 90% medical doctors in my fellowship, which is awesome. That's, that's a sign that that's you know, this is where healthcare is going right now. They're starting to say, hey, maybe there's something to this. And, uh, you know, and obviously there's a time and a place for prescription medications. They can absolutely be life-saving. But sometimes we don't need to start there. We need to come back to the core. And that's really, again, getting that blueprint, figuring out how do we support somebody from a healing environment, not just a suppressive approach. So let's go back and say, if you're someone who's just finished your degree, be it MD, ND, DR, it doesn't really matter because I, I feel, my impression is actually our undergrad is actually less important than what we do when we leave university because we really define ourselves as healers and the kind of in the decisions we make afterwards and what we seek out to learn, you know. I mean, the undergrad's great, but it really is not enough by itself. So if you were talking to an audience of newly graduated health professionals, what is the advice that you would share with them? Because you've been successful, you've had a voice, and we, we know, I mean, literally and figuratively, so you've had a voice in that you've been able to help individuals, but you've also been on TV and interviewed, and I mean, you, you have a, a greater voice that is getting out to the public. And what is the kind of advice that you would give to someone who's starting out that would enable them to kind of follow the path that you've been able to do? Well, first, I think try to identify a niche. And, you know, a lot of us are scared to come out to exclude any possible patient that we can help. We think, well, if I just niche down on, call it IBS, then I'm going to be excluding all these other potential patients. And obviously, you know, you have to run a business as well. You have to make ends meet. So you do want to make sure that you're attracting patients. But don't be scared of niching down because that doesn't mean you're not going to still attract others. Niching down is also going to allow you to really start to be known for something. And, uh, and you know, then that may change. My, I believe mine has changed, you know, a couple of times over my career and may continue to do so. But that would be the, the first thing to, to focus on and start meeting with other practitioners that might be in that space to really ensure that that's where you want to be. And don't think that you're committed to that for life. So try to make a focus. Don't be scared of hanging on to that. And, uh, and you can still attract other things around. But the, the other one I think that was the biggest help for me was get out there, make sure that you are, and these, these weren't available when I started my career. We didn't have the no, power. No podcast, that's right. Podcast. But, um, 
you know, I was able to get on TV and I was able to get on radio and that's may not, that may not be for everybody, but you can definitely set up a talk in your library. You can definitely set up in your local library. You can definitely set up a talk in your clinic and you can have a standing talk there once a week, so forth. Those are also super effective ways to become known in your community. And, and if that's not your jam today, we've got all sorts of technologies that, you know, you can literally just speak into a camera by yourself and broadcast that. There's ways to do this right now and leveraging technology and Facebook lives and, and everything that's out there right now Absolutely. It makes it much more I would say easier than it used to be and and people are online and they're looking and they're hungry and they want that support and they want to know like and trust you and the way they do that is by seeing you r- repetitively not once yeah. but multiple times and so the more you do this and you may start out with zero people watching your first FaceTime the first first program that I that I put together that I uh, uh, spent gosh months and months and months putting together Guess what happened when I launched it? One person bought it. No, you never bought it. My grandfather. I had to be a family member, right? I was like, you know, that's like a dagger for you when you poured, you know, hours and so much resistance. But don't quit on that, right? The next one, much more successful. And you know, there was a point with some of the summits that I used to host online were the largest in their space at that time on on the whole internet if you will and we've since moved on to other projects but you know it's going to start off very very slow and low and don't be discouraged yeah i would i would totally agree so volume content and the other thing that i've experienced is it doesn't have to be perfect like don't think that your recording is perfect your outfit's perfect your makeup's perfect or that you can't have a dog barking in the background or that you like forget what you're saying like I think what people are looking for, and this is just my experience, is they're actually looking for authenticity. They're looking to connect with you. And I mean, as you said, you know, it can be a blog, it could be LinkedIn, it could be a Facebook post. I mean, LinkedIn is an amazing place just to start writing, commenting on other people's posts. When I started out, if you didn't get onto radio or TV, you had nothing or publish a a, a printed book, a printed book. And to publish a printed book, you need a publisher and you need money to advertise it like those days are gone you can write a book and upload it and you've got an ebook you don't know and you can do it yeah yeah you've done it yourself there's software on the internet you can start a blog you can do a podcast so i think that that's a really exciting time for practitioners who who have something to say but i think to your point you can't say it once Mm -hmm. or twice or three times i mean it has to be a continuous conversation so i think that's i think that's fantastic advice now I want to talk about genetics because obviously genetics is my field and um, playing a little bit of Russian roulette here because the reality is I have no idea or sense of what your perception of genetics is. So I could be walking into a brick wall here, but I, as a kind of integrative functional doctor, I know you're engaged in genetics. Like you wouldn't have got to and anti-aging to where you are without consuming working with or learning about genetics in some way. So can you just tell me a little bit about what your journey has been around that? I, first of all, I absolutely embrace the power of genetics. And there's a couple of fields in genetics that I'm particularly interested in, which we can get into. But we, we need to recognize that obviously this is part of our, our healing and our optimal health potential if we're trying to achieve that. We have to look at our blueprint. And we've said this numerous times in this interview. You know, one of those I would say fundamental blueprints is understanding as much as you can, you know, your, your genome. And this is obviously an area that's evolved a 
lot in the last 25 years, probably even more so in the last five years, yeah. and we'll continue to do so. It's it's a fascinating world. Now, one of the other things that I think is important to know is that you can't do certain genetic tests in certain parts of the world. We're in a very, and, and I used to run all sorts of genetic tests in my clinic, but we're in a very interesting uh, political landscape, I suppose is the word, uh, in Ontario, where we are restricted as to what tests we can run now. Now, that doesn't stop me from recommending using a genetic profile for my patients, but it's it's been a little bit of a different landscape lately. So we certainly embrace it. My big passion uh, in, is tied into all of this, into the genetic world, is the epigenetics of, of what we can do as functional medicine doctors. And epigenetics, for everyone who's listening, is probably who follows you, probably already is well aware of this. But uh, this is you know, basically influencing the activity of our genes. And I kind of like to look at this like, you know, you're given a set of, call it light switches, if you will, and those are your, that's your genetic makeup. You can't take that back. You can't send that back to the genetic store. That's right. But those light switches can be turned on and they can be turned off. And so this is where, and there's a tremendous amount of research going on in this space right now, largely, you know, there's a number of experts out there and Dr. Jeff Bland has been a, a big advocate in this space where we are seeing that there are all sorts of factors that are dietary, that are in our environment, that are in our microbiome, that are in our head in terms of what we think and what we feel. These are all things that we are now seeing clinical data in published literature that shows that we can influence how our genes express. And I know you are the person to talk to about this, but that's what we embrace in my clinic. And our approach is saying, look, all right, let's have a look at your panel here. What are you pre-coded for? What are you predisposed to? That doesn't determine your destiny anymore. That means that you have to work harder to avoid that. But it's very possible that we can avoid that by starting to look at some of these light switches and making sure that we're turning them on and off in the right manner as much as we can. And so that's that's what we do with genetics at our clinic. Well, I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. So per perfectly said. The only thing I would add, and so the interesting thing is that in our company in 3X4, we call it the 3X4 blueprint, ironically. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, and, and that's, and I always talk about this concept of insight and action. So DNA sequence, which are our gene variants and our SNPs and the, the profile in the report gives us insight into who our patient is and how they might respond to diet, lifestyle, toxins, mold, stress, exercise, et cetera. But the second half of the equation, this has been one of the great failings of the genetic testing industry is thinking that that first thing is genetics. But actually it's a double-sided coin. So understand who your patient is by understanding the insights we can gain from a profile. But the second half is action and action is what you described. And so I started off as a dietitian, very disillusioned. Everyone knows, it's no surprise to anyone. And then went looking in genetics to try to find answers. And it took me like 20 years to do this full circle where I was trying to understand that my, and you will completely appreciate that because your, your whole career was around kind of clinical nutrition, nutritional biochemistry. It took me 20 years to get there where I, I understood that the power of nutrition, I always knew that nutrition was powerful, but I didn't understand how or why. So when I went and studied dietetics, I never got that right. I never understood like, this is not powerful stuff. This is nice, but it's not powerful. And then when I discovered genetics and epigenetics, 
And I understood that I could use a food or a nutrient to change gene expression. And changing gene expression is the most healing thing we can do. Like, it's the most healing thing we can do is to, to switch on, switch on, dim the switch, up, dim the switch. The most power, and suddenly that food is medicine, like for me, it came real. Yeah. And that's what you're talking about in your clinic. You know, when nutrition isn't about dietary guidelines or plugging holes or compensating for a poor diet, but it becomes like an active science where we choose a nutrient to switch on a gene and then the, the product of that gene does the healing for us. Now, suddenly, nutrition has arrived. And, and I don't, I mean, I'm I guessing it. you're going to agree. <laughs> I'm guessing. I love it. So that's exciting for us. We're in a great space, right? I mean, oh, this is the future. You know, we have to embrace this. And, and what I think is going to be fascinating is watching how the testing and the whole even evolution of this space right now, whether it's whether we call it epigenetics, you know, functional medicine, just for lack of a better word, this is going to continue to evolve. We're going to get better and better at helping us understand how we can really help somebody. And that's to me is, you know, that's that's the exciting part of being in this space right now is, yes, we're doing very cool things right now, but also where this is going to be in five years. Wow. Ten years. You know, this is fascinating right now. Yeah. Fascinating times. Even Ontario is going to have to get on board, I have to say. I had a, I had a call with um, Dale Bredesen yesterday, and we were discussing the inevitability of genetic testing. Yeah. Like, you, you can keep the profiles away. New York City does the same thing, but... There is an inevitability that we're all at some point going to start our lives by having our genetics known. Yeah. It's yeah. just. And I shouldn't say that you do genetic testing on terrorists. It's that we as naturopathic doctors, for whatever reason, that oh, was okay. way from us. And so it's, there's some political things, but I won't bore you with the details. No. Patients are still getting full access to these labs and we're just directing them how to do it. Sounds fantastic. Well, John, it's been absolutely wonderful talking to you. It sounds like we pretty much agree on absolutely everything. Not that I'm surprised, but still exciting. We agreed on our on what we're wearing. We even have the same wardrobe. <laughs> it's fantastic. I just want to thank you for your time. I love talking to you. I hope one day I get to come and see your clinic in Ontario when I'm moved to what they call stateside, I guess they say, when I've moved up north. And hopefully or even potentially meet you at a conference. I'm going to come over and introduce myself in person. We would love to host you. And of course, we will uh, look forward to meeting you in person one day as well. Great. Well, thank you so much and, and have a fantastic day. Thank you for listening to the Power of Genetics podcast brought to you by 3x4 Genetics. For more episodes, please visit 3x4genetics.com slash podcast. And if you are a licensed health practitioner who would like to apply to join our network, of over 1,000 like-minded visionary practitioners, please visit 3x4genetics.com slash apply.